the Justice Department is going after pro-life legislators and legislation in Idaho. Meanwhile, the voters in Kansas had a lot to say about a constitutional amendment on abortion with a vote there that did not go the way the pro-life movement thought it would. All of that on this Saturday special edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. And welcome into the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. I'm Justin Hall. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of the Saturday special. Last time we had Senator Josh Kimberl on talking about the indoctrination of, of children, specifically the uh, presence of pornographic material in your child's libraries and in your child's schools. And of course, if you want more information on that, go to www.palmettofamily.org. You can get connected, see what books have been shown to us, what books have been sent to us that are in children's libraries and in schools across the state, ranging from Spartanburg down to the Low Country, and even right here in Richland County. But today, I'm glad to welcome on to the show again, this time on the video side. The last time we had Leah Savas from World News, it was pre-Dobbs, and it was when we were doing audio only. So welcome in to the, to the visual side of this, Leah. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Justin. Of course, of course. I, I guess we'll start with what happened in Kansas, because this is a story that while it happened earlier in the month, right, you, you wrote a piece, Pro-Life Disappointment in Kansas, on August 9th. And if, and if you want more, you can you can go to World News and, and look at the work that Leah's doing regarding the pro-life movement across the country. Um, and that's where we bring her in to talk about what's going on across the country. Supporters of a pro-life amendment in Kansas say widespread misinformation was the reason why this constitutional amendment was defeated, Leah. 59 to 41, that's not very close. So if you could explain how, I won't say a ruby red state, but certainly a red state in Kansas had this kind of outcome. Yes, I was speaking with Brittany Jones at Kansas Family Voice about this a couple weeks ago after the results first came out. And she was kind of thinking through the reasons why they got this disappointing outcome. She said leading up to the vote, she was pretty confident that it was going to pass, that this amendment that would clarify that there is no right to abortion in the state constitution, she thought it was going to win. But then it was actually when she went to her polling location that morning, that Tuesday morning to vote, that she realized something was off. She noticed a lot of people there who were just there to vote for the amendment. Um, she noticed their demographic and thought, oh, they look like someone who would vote pro-life, like they're in their 50s, you know. Um, but they were, they seemed really angry. They were saying things about the amendment Um not directly about like, oh, I disagree with it, but just the, their tone, their way of talking about it. She was like, this doesn't seem good. <laughs> so when all the results started coming in that evening and certain counties uh, or certain districts that she was pretty sure would have been solidly for the amendment, they were for the amendment, but not quite the margins she was hoping for. So that was kind of the first hint that, you know, when we finally get to these other areas of the, of the state, that have tended to vote pro-abortion in like presidential elections, she was like, oh, we're not gonna have enough positive votes to counteract that. So it kind of came down in her mind to 
just the um, unaffiliated voters seeing this amendment as something that would um, keep women from getting treatment in like life-threatening situations. Um, she said also that even they even lost probably some key Republican votes just because people weren't able to cut through the noise that has been going around since Dobbs, um, just regarding how, you know, because of these abortion bans, women aren't able to get treatment for ectopic pregnancies. People can't get their needed um, medications because they're also used for abortion sometimes. And uh, right. she was just advising other states to be aware of this and to cut through the noise as quickly as possible. And you're seeing this exact thing happening in South Carolina right now as we sit here on a Saturday. Just in this previous week, we had our podcast yesterday where the sanctity of human life took center stage in South Carolina this week. You had a House Judiciary Committee meeting uh, where the bill H-5399, the Human Life Protection Act, which which bans all abortions except for – with the only exception being the life of the mother being at risk, that gets a favorable report to head to the House floor. That will be debated there. Uh, a few hours later, in, in the grand scope of things, the Senate Medical Affairs Committee met to hear nine hours of testimony regarding that same legislation as the Senate begins to get ahead of the game, anticipating the passage of H-5399 into the Senate. What's interesting, Leah, is in the House Judiciary Committee, we heard sort of the same type of thing. You, you mentioned here uh, in the piece, and you just mentioned it there, that it seemed to be there was a lot more talk in, in different mailers uh, about contraception and miscarriages and and spontaneous abortions. Um, we heard the same types of things here in South Carolina just in this last week. Well, specifically, we talked about this yesterday, a, a representative basically just hamping down on the idea that this is bad for children that this bill would be bad for children. Of course, he's referencing the story out of Ohio, 10-year-old girl, of course, was uh, was raped by someone she knew and, and, and became pregnant and then had to travel out of the state to get an abortion, where, in fact, at all intents and purposes, she probably could have gotten one in Ohio based on their state law. Um, what would you say, this isn't just a South Carolina problem then, that it appears the opponents of pro-life legislation We've been saying pro-choice for years, but come on, pro-abortion. Um, they're clogging the lane with words and phrases that at the very minimum are meant to confuse people and at the very most are just basically Orwellian in changing the argument. Yeah, it's definitely um, like Brittany Jones was telling me, they definitely want to talk about everything except for abortion. They don't want to focus on the elective abortions where it's not necessary to save your life, you're not raped, you just don't wanna have um, a baby at this time. Sometimes it's pressures from a family member, sometimes it's financial reasons. Um, there are a lot of other reasons people get abortions that obviously don't, don't um, have those particular exceptions that the pro-abortion side wants to talk about. Um, but it's something we need to talk about as regarding like just these everyday reasons people get abortions, like most of the, the vast majority of abortions are for more social reason. And we do need to talk about that because um, obviously life is, is um, there's the sanctity of human life. And in scripture, we see that God values life. 
he creates life and it's not our role to assume the position of God and decide when something, when someone should live or die because of how we feel, you know, it, in that sense, it's very uh, subjective, but in reality, we have a command in scripture, do not murder. And we need right. to really consider that. Correct. Uh, this, this last piece on, on your story from Kansas, uh, here was really interesting. Uh, Mrs. Jones says, for now, because of the amendment not passing by the vote, again, 59 to 41, that's pretty astounding. Even if you consider, you take away some of the misinformation that was distributed out, would that have made up the deficit of 18 percentage points? One, what we'll never know, right? It's like, how many leaks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. But for now, Mrs. Jones says we are preparing to become a state like New York and California. Now, again, I've said this on the show many times, and people who watch and listen know that I would say, you know, you've got states like South Carolina, where up until this week we had a six-week ban, but with the state Supreme Court issuing a block on the heartbeat law while they look at a lawsuit uh, from Planned Parenthood, it's now back to 20 weeks. You go to California – and you can have an abortion 95 years after the child is born, pretty much. I mean, they are full-fledged abortion vacation destination. We'll pay for you to come. Your hotel, your per diem, we'll cover it all just so you can come and get an abortion. It is striking and good journalism right there to include that as the last sentence. That's the last thing I'm going to read on this article is Kansas in the breadbasket of the United States of America, the one of the, one of the flyover states that is red and – uh, Republicans will probably win that state and presidential elections from here until Jesus comes back. But they're saying they're preparing to be a state like New York and California in regards to abortion. What's that say about the pro-life movement right now as the issue has been returned to the states? We're definitely seeing how um, voters are reacting to the Dobbs decision. We're definitely seeing how lawmakers are reacting to people are thinking through things just in light of all this misinformation, but also concern from doctors about like, oh, you know, can we treat women and what in what cases can we treat women? It's just a reminder, we need a lot of clarity as a pro-life movement. Like Brittany Jones was saying, we have to cut through the noise and be clear about what we mean by these specific laws. So that's, yeah, that's kind of what and I, I And I think that's what House Bill 5399, the Human Life Protection Act does. It puts, it is very specific about the different instances in which a mother's life could be in danger and spells them out. I think it's a list of about 20. And so that's why this legislation appears to be so solid and and received a favorable report in the House Judiciary Committee. When we come back here on the Saturday special, we're going to dive into what's been going on in Idaho and how the Biden administration is shockingly clamping down on pro-lifers and, and conservative voices across different pro-life states. But before we get to that, Ali Bestucki is coming to Columbia on October the 15th. Tickets go on sale September the 1st. Here's what you can look forward to. Christianity has done more good for more people than any other entity or force in the world by far, period. We will not be deterred. We will not be intimidated. We will not be shut up. We will not sit down. We will not slow down. We will double down. 
And as we welcome you back in to the second half of the discussion, Justin Hall here with Leah Savas of World News talking about different pro-life issues across the country. We just wrapped up our conversation about the Kansas Constitutional Amendment, what that looks like for pro-life states going forward. But now, Leah, I want to get into what's going on in Idaho and the Justice Department. We're not going to get into Mar-a-Lago, although that could probably be an hour-long conversation about the FBI and what's going on there, but we won't deal with that and won't even deal with Merrick Garland in that issue there. What we will talk about is the fact that Merrick Garland and the Justice Department are actively filing lawsuits against pro-life states. Now, this is not uncommon for this Justice Department. They have called concerned parents in school board meetings domestic terrorists. Uh, our Attorney General, Alan Wilson, is already filing a suit against the uh, against the Justice Department, against the Attorney General's Office of the United States of America, because they are withholding funds from institutions and schools, specifically uh, doing that against the education part of the administration, but they're withholding funds from schools if you don't teach transgender ideology properly. So what do people need to know about what the Justice Department, this Justice Department, is doing post-Dobbs' decision? Yeah, so we've already seen a little bit of what the Justice Department under Biden, even before Dobbs, kind of what their strategy has been towards pro-life states. So last last year, the Texas their heartbeat law, and um, kind of taking issue with just the um, going around Roe v. Wade by using the private civil enforcement action. Um, and, and it's kind of a similar thing with this lawsuit against Idaho. So the Justice Department has um, sued Idaho over their state law that is protecting babies from abortion from the moment of conception with only an exception to save the mother's life. But it's not written as a kind of explicit exception in the law. And this is kind of what the um, lawsuit is taking issue with. It's listed as an affirmative defense which basically means that um, in order to for a doctor to kind of um, give that as a reason, he has to show that there's evidence that he did do it to save the mother's life. Um, and there's also not an explicit exception or even an affirmative defense for health of the mother situations. Um, and so because of that, the Justice Department is arguing that this violates or goes against EMTALA, which is a federal law that basically requires hospitals to provide stabilizing treatment and screening to patients that present at emergency departments. And they're arguing that in some cases that emergency treatment could be an abortion, like maybe you have to perform an abortion to save a mother's life or under EMTALA, there's also um, under medical emergencies also listed that concept of um, preventing bodily harm or major harm to a bodily organ or function. So, but pro-life um, just legal analysts that I've spoken with have said that they don't think there's really any big difference between that explicit exception and also the affirmative defense. They say that in the end, um, it really just comes down to what is the evidence? If a prosecutor knows that there's evidence showing that a doctor did this to save a woman's life, then he's not going to prosecute. So there's actually an Ohio law, or actually a couple Ohio laws that use this affirmative defense structure already. 
and they've been in effect for years. They protect babies from later term abortions. And um, one analyst I spoke with kind of pointed to the stats from Ohio showing that there have been abortions in Ohio past those gestational limits under this, this law that has an affirmative defense structure, but still no doctor has faced prosecution. Why? Probably because the evidence showed that it was um, a procedure done to save the life of the mother. Right. So that's just kind of just what we should keep in mind as we hear these arguments. And and again, this goes to Leah is a journalist. I went to journalism school. There's a difference. Um, and, and and so when we know that words matter, words really do matter. Uh, I wrote a piece nearly a year ago about what happened at the Tower of Babel and what we're seeing now here in the country. And, and I think we're changing the meanings of words. We're changing what words mean. We're changing how we communicate with one another. So the Justice Department, the Biden administration, come in and say, well, abortions might be an emergency procedure. And those of us on the pro-life side are going, okay, we, we understand that, that in the case of the life of the mother, yes, we do understand. Um, but then there's just some sort of disconnect there. They like to extend that further we're kind of hardline stance on this. Um, in in this piece, there's a, there's a great quote here from Blaine Kanzadi who says, "This is a last ditch effort on the part of a pro-abortion administration." If you remember, in 2020, former President Donald Trump said in a debate or in a, a media you know, appearance, he had plenty of them. Where he said this would be, if Joe Biden is elected president, this will be the most pro-abortion administration this country's ever seen. Well, yeah, I don't think we're far from that. I mean, I, I don't think he was – He, you can have your discussions about what he was wrong and right about, but I certainly believe he was right on that front. Uh, and, and it shows through this Justice Department they're willing to go after states who pass pro-life legislation just based on, like you said – a minor difference in the language that at the end of the day may not be exactly the same, but it has the same effect as the exception clause put in to a trigger law or into an abortion ban. Yeah, and it's interesting too that they're using Mtala to do this because if you read the Mtala um, language, it actually even talks about unborn children in the actual language. So to assume that Mtala would require doctors to perform abortions in emergency situations, you know, it seems like it would kind of give doctors more leeway or encourage doctors even to look for ways to preserve the life of the mother and the baby. And that's what a lot of state pro-life laws are doing at this point. They're encouraging doctors, if possible, to save both lives, treat them both as patients. Don't, don't just kill the baby um, without even attempting to save its life. And I think Mtala kind of has that, um, that language, the unborn child language that makes you kind of think twice about that. So as we look through what's happening in Idaho, we look at what happened in Kansas, we see what's happening in the state of South Carolina. If you follow the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, you know full well what's happening inside of our state. As we move forward with pro-life legislation, you've heard on both sides what's going on. The state Supreme Court blocking the fetal heartbeat bill as Planned Parenthood sues the state over constitutionality, saying that the heartbeat law violates the state constitution provision to a right to privacy. That's another conversation for another day. But what we're seeing across these different states and what the 
I would say the Biden administration is hoping for, and certainly uh, the liberal side of the aisle is hoping, is that this is a main issue for voters in the midterms. Now, Leah, you have your ear to the ground about the pro-life movement. I don't know how much of your ear is to the ground in terms of the midterm elections coming up. But will will this be a driving force for voters? I mean, every voter has a specific issue they vote for. Uh, they want their candidate to be pro-life. They want their candidate to be pro-Second Amendment. They want their candidate to be pro-First Amendment, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you see abortion being a a major issue, given that these are federal elections in terms of Congress and, and a few Senate races across the country, or does it take more of a back seat to the more pressing issues of uh, increasing lawlessness in cities, uh, an open border, and rampant inflation that, contrary to reports, was not 0% in July? Well, I mean, I guess I don't know for sure. Um, yeah. I I haven't <laughs> polled everybody, right. but based on you the Kansas, a poll? <laughs> I haven't I haven't done one myself. Um, I <laughs> but I just based on the Kansas situation, I think we can we can kind of see there that in some ways abortion was a bigger issue than maybe some people expected. Like just Brittany Jones, her kind of boots on the ground experience at her polling location, seeing people there just to vote on the amendment. I think abortion, you know, I think it, it will be a big issue likely. And and at the very least, we shouldn't take it for granted, you know, what we've seen from other polls that pro-lifers tend to <clears throat> turn out in larger numbers on this issue. We shouldn't take that for granted. And that's why Brittany Jones was kind of encouraging other states that will also be taking up um, constitutional amendments this fall on the abortion issue, just to be clear about the messaging and don't assume that, you know, you're going to have a pro-life turnout. You need to be educating people and make sure the pro-lifers know that they should get out to vote. They shouldn't just assume, oh, I'm in a red state. It's going to turn out. And and that's what we're going to be talking about on October 15th with Ali Bestucky is that the Christian conservative vote is more important than ever. And as, as you mentioned, Leah, I think that if for nothing else, this ruling on the Dobbs case and the overturning of Roe has ramped up the rhetoric on both sides, certainly, and, and I think it has driven emotions very high on both sides. We saw that here in South Carolina with some protests outside of a committee hearing on a random Tuesday in South Carolina. Um, you, you know, It wasn't that long ago. You could walk right into the committee room and there'd be 10 people in there, but when it comes to the abortion issue, it is fierce and it is hotly debated and widely contested even in a state like South Carolina where there's a super majority here you've got all republican constitutional offices uh you've got a, a republican majority in both the house and the senate uh, so there's a super minority in terms of the democrat republican split but as we say all too often in South Carolina the shades of red in the South Carolina state house it's not just one color it's probably seven or eight different shades of red and how they look at things, and that is representative of the entire state. Leah, thank you so much for joining us on our Saturday special edition of the podcast. Let folks know how they can get in touch with you and how they can follow your work. Yes, yeah, so if you go to wng.org, that stands for World News Group, and then scroll down to the bottom, there's a little link to newsletters, and if you click on that, um, my newsletter is called Vitals, and it comes out every Tuesday and kind of gives 
a rundown of the most recent developments on the abortion beat, but also euthanasia, not only in in the US, but also around the world. So um, please sign up for that. I would love to have you get my emails. Of course, of course. So make sure you do that, wng.org. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. Sign up for that newsletter, Vitals. Also, if you want to get involved in what we're doing here at Palmetto Family, you can do that. I would encourage you to go to palmettofamily.org. After you do wng.org, go to palmettofamily.org. Scroll down to the bottom of our page and sign up for our newsletter where we'll keep you updated on everything going on in the state of South Carolina, all the pro-life issues and every other issue that we're keeping track of. If you remember this past legislative session, 10 for 10 on the issues that matter to you inside the state house when it comes to blocking certain things and getting certain things done. We were the go-to, 10 for 10, this past legislative session. You can also download the Palmetto Family Council app. That's the best way to stay connected with what we're doing and to get at-the-minute, at-the-moment alerts on breaking news. As you saw this week, news is always breaking in South Carolina, and we want to make sure you're aware of what's going on in your home state so you know how to talk to people about the issues that matter most to you. And if you want to get involved more in what we're doing and you want to invest in the work we're doing in the fight against abortion, amongst other things, you can do that as well. PalmettoFamily.org slash donate if you want to invest in the work we're doing. As I said yesterday on the podcast, your investment here won't be affected by inflation. Our work stays the same no matter how much you invest. We look to give you a kingdom return on your investment to continue the work as the guardrail of the state of South Carolina, reflecting the light and love of Jesus Christ in the communities and across the state of South Carolina. Leah, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. And again, make sure you tune in next week. We'll have a lot more on the issue of the sanctity of human life, House Bill 5399, and a bunch of other stuff that I'm sure will break over the weekend. For Kevin Cayello, Mitch Prosser, Dave Wilson, I'm